How many of you were taught that a Christian cannot be oppressed by a demon? Or how many were taught that if you leave the demons alone, they'll leave you alone? How's that working for you? How many of you think that dealing with demons ought to be left in that weird and spooky category? If you were taught any of these things, you're not alone. I was right there with you. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about how dealing with demons is a normal part of our Christian life. Welcome to the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Foundations International. Our desire is to equip you with biblical truth to empower you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. For more, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. Now, here's your podcast. Welcome into today's Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast. I'm Lee Whitman with Restoring the Foundations. In today's podcast, I want to take dealing with demons out of the weird and spooky category and put it back as normal part of Christianity where it belongs. Many Christians don't realize that they can be oppressed by a demon. As a result, they do nothing to stop this oppression, which leaves them at the mercy of the demon. God wants us to come into maturity in our understanding of Satan and his kingdom. He wants us to enforce God's victory over the kingdom of darkness. Let's start with the first question that comes up when talking about demons. Can a Christian be oppressed by a demon? Well, Christians cannot be possessed by a demon because possession implies ownership. Christians are bought with a great price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So the question of ownership has already been settled at salvation. Christians can, however, be oppressed by demons if they provide the open doors and legal ground through which the demons can work. RTF ministry to the problem areas that we've talked about in these last three podcasts of the sins of the fathers and the resulting curses, the ungodly beliefs, bringing healing to the wounded places, removes the legal ground so the demons have no right to continue their oppression. Derek Prince defines demons as invisible spiritual entities with minds, emotions, and wills of their own. They're in league with and under the control of Satan. They're out to do his bidding and to torment the people of God. Their first job is to try to keep people from getting saved. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelieving, so they will not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, this is a little bit off topic, but I think the church has mistakenly believed that if we present a compelling argument to an unbeliever about the gospel, that they'll believe. We try to reason with them, convince them to accept Christ when the battle of belief is spiritual. They are being blinded by the God of this age so that they literally can't see the truth. Our evangelism needs to begin with strong spiritual warfare to break the hold the demons have to keep people from seeing and hearing the truth. Okay, now back to our topic of demons. Fun, right? Once someone gets saved, their job is to keep that person from maturing in their relationship with Christ. They keep dragging believers down by using the legal ground that they've been given. The picture I get, it's like when you get stuck in the mud, you can push the gas pedal all you want, but the tires are just going to spin and you're not going to go anywhere. That's what demons want to do with believers. Keep them spinning their wheels, mired in sinful behavior, and not going anywhere. A common tactic of the demon is to keep the focus on the demon instead of on the power of God. They come at people using fear and intimidation. 
They want you to believe that they are more powerful than God. Or they would like you to believe that if you just leave them alone, they'll leave you alone. Now, neither of those thoughts is true. Their only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. Demons also have the ability to put thoughts in your mind. I know you've had this happen. You're minding your own business when all of a sudden a thought comes into your mind that causes you to be anxious or afraid or jealous or any number of other things. Did you know that that thought is not your own? The demons somehow have the ability to interject their thoughts into our thought stream, and we think these are our own thoughts. Another common tactic of the demonic is to use accusation and condemnation to keep you stuck in the mud. Most of us have had something like this happen to us. A sinful thought or temptation comes into your mind. The thought doesn't have to be anything that we might consider the big sins, like sexual sin or stealing, things like that. It might just be the thought to make a judgment against someone else. Boy, did you see Susie today? She thinks she is all that and then some. The demons interject that thought into your thought stream. Then they turn around and condemn you for making that judgment. Talk about not playing fair. The demons will never play fair. They will tempt you when you're down, when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're lonely. Basically, they will hit you when you're at the most vulnerable. Then they'll condemn you for having been vulnerable. One way to recognize the demonic activity in your life is that they manifest causing our behavior to be what their function is. For example, a demon of anger will manifest causing you to become angry. A demon of bitterness will manifest causing bitterness to rise up in you. A demon of lust will cause you to lust after sexual things or after possessions that other people have been blessed with. Recognizing how the demon is trying to manifest in your life will equip you to stand in your authority against that demon and command it to leave. We have been in many ministry sessions when we could feel that a spirit of confusion was trying to hinder the ministry. So, We simply took authority over that spirit of confusion and commanded it to leave, and every time the confusion in the ministry session stopped. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and all arrogance raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is a very powerful verse that we really need to get a hold of and live our lives from. First, it says that our weapons are not fleshly, but divinely powerful, because we're not fighting against the powers of man. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the, the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. That's where our battle is. The second thing this verse says is that as part of our battle, we have to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Our thought life opens the door for the demonic. Taking every thought captive puts our thoughts back under the rule and reign of God. This verse also says we're destroying speculations. So what are speculations? Well, I think those are the what ifs of life. What if this lump is cancer? What if I lose my job? What if my car breaks down and we don't have the money to fix it? What if, what if, what if? Speculations. That is a real form of spiritual warfare because most of our what ifs 
cause us to live in fear and lose our trust in God. We allow that fear to rise up against our knowledge of God being a good, good father. We hardly ever have good what-ifs. Have you noticed that? What if my car never breaks down? What if I get a big pay raise at work? No, this is a form of spiritual warfare, and the enemy will keep throwing the negative what-ifs at us to keep us spinning our wheels in the mud. Now, we see a picture of God's strategy for getting rid of the demons in Exodus 23, verses 29 through 31. It says, But I will not drive them out in a single year, because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you, until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land, and you will drive them out before you. Now, this is the story of when the Israelites went into the promised land. And in that land, there were still all of the enemies of Israel. But God, in his loving kindness, actually left the enemies in the land. Why did he do that? The enemies tended the land until the Israelites could take over and tend it for themselves. Then God gave them the land little by little. Now, why little by little and not all at once? In order that they increase enough to take possession of the land. Now, God does the same thing with us today. He does not drive away all the demonic that is oppressing us because we would not be able to possess the land, our life, he has given us. As we increase and are able to take possession, he will continue to give us more freedom. Once we had taken back the legal ground given over to the demonic through the sins of the fathers, through the ungodly beliefs, through the unhealed wounded places, then we enforce the victory Christ has already won for us on the cross and command the demonic to leave. The brilliance of the ministry that God gave Chester and Betsy Kilstra is that we command the demons to leave based on two things, the finished work of Christ on the cross and your authority as a believer. Those are two things that are irrefutable to the enemy. He can't argue that the finished work of Christ on the cross was not sufficient. He knows the power of the blood of Christ. And he also can't argue with your authority as a believer. Now, he can try to convince you that you don't have authority because that's what the father of lies does. He tries to get you to believe his lies. But when you know your authority as a believer, that your authority was given to you by your father God, that it's not something that you have to earn by your behavior, that it's not based on what you do or have done, but it's totally based on the fact that you are a child of your father God. He knows that you have authority and he's afraid of you. And when we command the demons to leave based on those two irrefutable things, they have no choice but to go. You know, the biggest threat to the kingdom of darkness is a believer who knows and walks in their authority. So dealing with demons shouldn't be something that's in the weird and spooky category. It is a normal part of being a Christian. Mark 16, 17 says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. 1 John 3, 8 says, But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Well, since we are now part of God's family, and the family business is destroying the works of the devil, then we've joined the family business, and we also will destroy the works of the devil. I love James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now look at this verse. It says to us, first, 
we have to submit to God and not try to resist the devil out of our own strength. But second, it says, when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. It doesn't say he might flee or he'll flee if he wants to. No, it says he will flee. He has to do what you tell him to do based on the finished work of Christ on the cross and your authority as a believer. You know, it seems like much of the teaching we hear on dealing with the demonic is about playing defense. Put on the whole armor of God, we're taught. I'm sure you've heard that many times. But armor is defensive. What if we, as the body of Christ, went on the offense against the kingdom of darkness? What if you got up every morning and plead the blood of Jesus over yourself, your home, your family, basically over everything you have stewardship over? The blood of Jesus is an offensive weapon against the enemy. And the other offensive weapon is to take up the sword of the Spirit. So, what if when you go grocery shopping, you walk through the store praying in the Spirit as you shopped? You would be on the offense right there in your grocery store. Well, if you've recognized over the last four weeks that you need assistance in getting free from some struggle in your life, email us at ministry at restoringthefoundations.org and set up a ministry session for yourself. It's time to get out of being stuck in the mud, and RTF can help. Father, I thank you for the ministry of RTF, that you gave Chester and Betsy such a gift to the body of Christ, that we don't have to stay stuck in the mud, that we don't have to put up with the oppression that the enemy wants to bring into our lives, but that we can walk in the freedom that Jesus Christ purchased. And I thank you that we have authority over the demonic realm, that we're not just bystanders, that we're victims of whatever they want to do. No, we can go on the offensive and command them to leave us alone and they have to do what we tell them to do. So Father, today, if there's anything in this message for the people that are listening, just stir it up, bring it to the surface so that they will send that email to our ministry coordinator to get ministry so that they can experience all the freedom that Jesus Christ came to give them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Hope, Healing, and Freedom podcast today. We pray you are blessed and equipped with biblical truth, empowering you to live a full life of freedom in Christ. To learn more about the ministry of Restoring the Foundations International, please visit restoringthefoundations.org. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.